0: Hello, Molo, Sawana, Dumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Durban. We are part of a global family of churches with the purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in Every Nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris, and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China, and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is Reach Disciple Impact. We want to reach every person, every campus, and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His
1: Three, There we go. There we go. Come on. Woo! Guys, this is too cool, man. This is too cool. Reggie says to me, he says, is this COVID-19 or is this the best church ever? (laughs) This is the best church, outdoor church. Um, Some of you are remembering your early days and going to church was always like this. Um, Some of you grew up like this and this is awesome, man. Come on, it's so good that we can be outside. And isn't Durban just the best place to be in winter, hey? Amen. Come on. Well, uh, if you, uh, you know, they, they do, they are saying that vitamin D is good at the moment. So I think we're going to get our full dose of vitamin D this morning while we're having church. And, um, guys, I'm so pumped about this 40 days of praying for revival. So amazing just to see some of the photographs people taking in the prayer room this last week. Somebody has been in the prayer room Every day at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. for the last seven days. Isn't that amazing? And uh, yeah, guys, there's just you know this is what we're pressing in for as a church. This is what we're going for. And if you go to the prayer room this week, I want to encourage you to take a selfie, send it to the church phone because we want to we want to create a compilation of of pictures and and put that out. Um, but I really want to. I want to pick up on on the theme of what we're going for today, and we're talking about revival as a church. That's what we're going after, and I want to press in for unity and agreement today. Um, if you have a Bible, you are welcome to pull it out this morning. I don't have PowerPoints, so we're going old school, pulling out Bibles, looking at them ourselves. Um, I know that I Connect has been sent out on WhatsApp as well, and. Um, if you uh, don't get the iConnect, send a message to the church phone and they'll send you the iConnect. But if you open the iConnect, all my scriptures are in the iConnect as well for today. So you're welcome to open the iConnect even while while we're, as long as you turn your notifications off. And you're not going to like do some WhatsApps and some Instas, some gramming uh, as well. Amen. But all, all the scriptures are there. If you wouldn't mind joining me in, in Matthew 18 and verse 19. We're going to start there today. And uh, yeah, Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, we can gather outdoors today. Thank you that you've given us this beautiful city. Thank you that you've called us for such a time as this. Thank you, Father God, that every time we open up this word, power is released into our lives, into our homes, into our families. As we open it up over the city of Durban this morning, we thank you, Father God, that your word does not return to you void. But it goes forth and accomplishes that which you sent it to accomplish. And as we release word into the atmosphere, your word, Lord God, we believe for change. We believe for transformation and we believe for heaven to touch earth. Amen. Amen. So Matthew 18 verse 19 reads, Jesus saying, Again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree, can you say agree? Agree. Agree. If two of you agree, just two of you, agree to ask God for something, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, for something in a symphony of prayer. Isn't that beautiful? If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, a symphony. Can you think of a, an orchestra, orchestra in symphony? Just instruments, all multi different instruments, but they all like playing together, and the sound that's coming from that. That's what this is what Jesus is talking about here. A symphony of prayer, two coming together in agreement, more than two coming together in agreement forever. And then He says, in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. Isn't that incredible? Two, come together in the symphony of prayer, agreeing about one thing, going after one thing, one heart, one mind, seeking the same thing. He says, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Guys, there is so much power that we have when we come together in agreement as the church. There is so much... When a husband and a wife come together, and they begin to agree and pray, as my wife and I have done for years. God has always answered us. He has always broken through. Whenever there's unity in agreement, coming together for one thing, there is power released. Can you imagine if all of us here, I was gonna say in this room, in this parking lot, <laughs> and online, come together in agreement for one thing, and we pray for revival. And we don't stop and we keep joining together and we create a symphony of prayer that's going into the heavens. Jesus tells us, my heavenly Father will do it for you. My heavenly Father will do it for you. For wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. I want you to know Jesus is with us this morning. Jesus is in this. In Isn't this, in this us coming together as a church after one thing? Us uniting our prayers together for one thing, for revival for the city of Durban. Guys, there is so much power being released, and we 're just starting to feel it this week. we 're starting to tap into it. And so this is what we 're going after. I 'm going after unity for us as a church. I want us to be of one mind, of one heart. I know what happened to the disciples when they were up in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and revival came to Jerusalem. The Bible says that they had one mind and one heart. They were united in what they were seeking Jesus for. They wanted to see the Holy Spirit poured out on them. And it happened for them. And that's what we're going after. So, as we talk about revival, you know, this word has become, in in Christian circles, the word revival has become, like it's become to mean so many things. Like you can talk to 10 different Christians And you might get ten different answers about what revival is. It's become a common Christianese. You know Christians have Christianese. We speak Christianese. Hallelujah, brother, amen, Bazawana. You know, it's like we, there is this lingo, Christianese and revival, that word, we, we choy it in. We, we, we chuck it in. You know, we put revival in there. Revival, you know, like we have a great service, it was a revival. You know, we send. I want us to know that revival is not the the tent we set up, Lapa a Community. You know that the tent that's revival, or when we say we're going to have a conference that's a revival conference, just because we called it a revival conference doesn't mean it's a revival. You know, the word sometimes has just become some, it's just been watered down into something like revival this, revival that. You know, and and so I want us to, I want us to come to unity about what revival is. Um. Revival we learned last week is threefold. Do you remember? Come on. It's God coming near. It's the church coming alive. It's the last getting saved. The last getting saved. Well done. Come on, some of you remembered that. So that's, I want to unpack that more today. I want to unpack that as we, as we, as we seek to have unity and one language in our pursuit for what revival is. We've got to be clear about what we're praying for. We've got to have the same mind. We've got to know exactly what we're going after. And we've got to tap into that unity that exists, that, that, that power of agreement that the Bible talks about. So when we talk about God coming near, last week I said, you know, we're not talking about goosebumps. We're not talking about the indwelling presence of God in us. When we talk about revival and we talk about God coming near, what we're talking about is the manifest presence of God. We're talking about the extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church of God. We're talking about Acts chapter 2 when they were in the upper room and there was a the sound of a mighty rushing wind that filled the room that caused the whole city was it heard it. Everybody came rushing. What happened? We talk when when we talk about God coming near, we talk Talking about that in Scotland in the Hebrides, the, it says that the that the room shook with the power of God. That there was there was even glasses on the mantelpiece that fell off the mantelpiece because the the room that they were in shook with the power and presence of God. We're talking about Isaiah chapter sixty four where he says I will where, where the prayer goes on and says rend the heavens and that you would come down. When we're praying for revival, we're talking about the extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church, where we don't have to leave the meeting and say, did you, did you feel God in the service? Did you feel God? I think I felt God. I think, did you feel, did you feel that when, when, when the worship, when Sandila was singing? yeah, I felt that. I think, no, I didn't feel that. No, no, there's no negotiation. There's no debate about it. When God shows up, everybody in the room knows it. Everybody in the parking lot knows it. He showed up. That's what we're praying for, okay? And the question is, well, can we ask for that? Can we ask for that? Can we ask for that? I mean, are we, are we maybe are we asking too much, man? Hey, we're not. We are part, You just settle down. Why, why, why so extravagant? Why so ridiculous? Why so out there? Why so, why so big? You know, just just pray for your heart to come right. Just pray for, for, for you know, your family. Just pray that the service will go well. Can, can we pray for God to shake the room? Can we pray for God to come like a mighty rushing wind like He did in Acts chapter 2? Can He shake the room like He shook it in Acts chapter 4? Can He come like He came in Ephesus where people of the whole city gathered together and they took off their amulets and their charms and all their idols and they made a big bonfire and they burnt it. Can, can That's Acts chapter 19, people. That is the Bible. Can, can, can we pray for that? Of course we can. Of course we can. Does God want to come near like that? Yes, He does. We're not asking for something too big. The question actually is, why haven't we prayed for that? Why are we not praying for that? What is it about us that makes us think that we can do this all by ourselves? What is it about us that makes us think that, you know, uh, we're bothering God if we're asking for something so big like that? Can God shake the city of Durban? With his glory, can he rend the heavens and people come out of these blocks of flats repenting, saying, Where's the nearest church? Running to churches, running to churches. It happened in Scotland, it happened in Wales, it happened in Hernhard in Germany, it happened in Azusa Street, it's happened in the in the in, in South America, it's happening around the world in every corner. Why can it not happen in Durban? Why can we not ask for what God is doing in history, for what God has promised in the scriptures? In Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, Jesus said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your, to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, on Father's Day, hallelujah, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. To those who ask. And therein, church, lies the problem. We're not uniting and asking. We're not We're not studying history, we're not looking at the book of Acts, and we're not thinking about the Kingdom of God. We're, we've got other plans. We've got things that we're thinking about for my life and my business. I want this to go... Da, 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 da. There's nothing more important than heaven coming to earth. Jesus is coming back. Time is getting short, people. We're in the last of the last days. Peter stood up in Jerusalem, and he said... He said to the crowd that had gathered over there, and he said, We're in the last days. And Joel chapter 2 says, In the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. What you're seeing, brethren, is the fulfillment of Scripture. Peter, the apostle, said that 2,000 years ago. He said, We're in the last days. He believed he was in the last days. If he thinks he's in the last days, what days do we think we are in today? Are we not in the last days, church? Jesus said uh, He said I will give the Holy Spirit To those who ask What were they doing In the upper room Clothe us with power Clothe us with power Clothe us with power. You promised the Holy Spirit. We don't even know what that is, but we're just praying. can send the Holy Spirit. Clothe us with power. We need you to come down. You've given us a big job. Go into all the world and preach this gospel. You know, we can't do that in our own strengths. We can't do that as a bunch of Jewish guys and girls. I mean, we're crossing cultural barriers and all that. How are we going to go to the ends of the earth? All we know is Jerusalem. And now you want us to go. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. He comes to those who ask. The question is, why don't we ask? Why why aren't we asking? Why aren't we hungry for this? Why is this not our number one all-consuming prayer that Jesus, you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would rend the heavens, or that you would come down, that you would clothe us with power? Can we ask for that? Yes, we can ask for that. Yes, we can ask for that. Let's be bold about that and ask for it. Revival is God coming near. And when we say God coming near, church, we're talking about the extraordinary outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When God comes near, two amazing things happens: The, the church comes alive. This, the church, this beautiful bride of Jesus, when God comes near, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, the church comes alive. It, becomes, it gets filled with boldness and wonder-working power. And ordinary people go and do extraordinary things for God. You know, Evan Roberts was one of the leaders in the Welsh revival. And he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He was hungry, praying for the Holy Spirit, praying for the Holy Spirit. This is what he said when the Holy Spirit came. He said, I felt power pervading my bosom. That's Welsh for chest. Okay, men... Don't be afraid, we have bosoms, (laughs) we have a bosom alright. I felt living power pervading my bosom, my body. It took my breath away and my legs trembled exceedingly. This living power became stronger and stronger as each one prayed until I felt it would tear me apart. I fell on my knees, my arms over the seat in front of me. My face was bathed in perspiration. Tears flowed in streams. I cried out to the Lord, bend me, bend me, bend me. It was God's commanding love which bent me and what, pl- what peace and love flooded my bosom. Before that encounter, he was quite a gloomy, serious personality. After that encounter, he radiated tremendous joy. Before that encounter, he was a timid, hesitant speaker. When he came out of that encounter, he spoke with authority and boldness before huge crowds. He was physically weak and couldn't walk far before that encounter, but afterwards he could walk for miles without growing weary. It was in that encounter when he was there and the Holy Spirit was coming upon him in wave after wave after God's glory that he had caught a vision in his heart to see a hundred thousand souls saved. He just felt the number. A hundred thousand, hundred thousand, a hundred thousand. There's a hundred thousand for you. And he left that encounter with a burning passion to see a hundred thousand people saved. And in six months, one hundred thousand people came to Jesus Christ. Listen, I want you to know that that is the church coming alive. John G. Lake spoke about his encounter with the Holy Spirit. He said, a love for mankind, such as I have never comprehended, took possession of my life. Yes, a soul yearning to see men saved. So deep at times, heart rending. Until, in anguish of soul, I was compelled to abandon my business and turn all my attention to bringing men to the fate of Jesus. I found that my life began to manifest in a wide range of gifts of the Spirit. I spoke in tongues by the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And God flowed through me with a new force. Healings were of a more powerful order. God lived in me. God was manifesting in me. God was speaking through me. I had a new comprehension of God's will, a discernment of His Spirit. My nature became sensitized so that I could lay my hands on people and tell people, tell what organ was diseased and to what extent and all about it. And I tested it. I went to the hospitals where physicians could not diagnose cases and I touched patients and instantly knew the organ that was diseased, its extent and condition and location and I prayed and they were healed. If any man is sick, <laughs> let him call the church. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will get better. That is the church coming alive. Revival is God coming near. It's the church coming alive. And it's the lost getting saved. And when we talk about the lost getting saved, I'm not just talking about one or two people. But typically, entire villages or significant portions of university campuses or towns or cities or even nations if you shared the gospel with your neighbor and they gave their life to Jesus the bible says that all of heaven rejoices and celebrate and and and, and we celebrate the greatest miracle which is salvation but i want you to know that that is not revival that's salvation. That's beautiful. We're not going to take anything away from that. We're not going to take... We mustn't, mustn't ever stop witnessing to our neighbors and bringing people to Jesus and sharing the gospel. A revival. It might be revival if all of us went on the same day at the same time and all of us had that same encounter. Or better yet, all of those people that we would have reached actually arrived at the church. Or in their homes, bended their knees and gave their lives to Jesus, then it's definitely revival. Do you, do you see the difference? Do you understand what we're praying for here? We're talking about, when we talk, when we're praying for the lost to get saved, we're, we're talking about beyond what I'm able to do in sharing the gospel, Lord. How many lost people are around us right now? How many people don't know Jesus right now? How many people in your block, in your neighborhood? If we had to start and, and start in our strength and in our effort, man, the job, it just it seems so big. It's so massive at the moment. There's so many boundaries for us to cross. There's so many things we have to overcome. We need a move of God. If the scales are going to be flipped in our favor, we need to see God come near, the church to come alive, and for the lost to get saved. You know, there's something so powerful about praying for these three things. Like, like Lange was talking about this morning, not just me and my life, but, but, but praying for the city and praying for our nation and Africa. There's something so powerful about praying for what heaven prioritizes. You know, when we make our priority heaven's priority, our priority somehow gets sorted out in the equation. Who knows what I'm talking about? You know, when the Jesus said this, He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all those things will be added unto you. If I had to ask you right now, what is the biggest priority in your life? Imagine Jesus came to you right now and said, hey, what do you want? Debt free Jesus. <laughs> what, you know, a husband Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Come on. A job, you know, there's this, we have priorities, amen. Jesus said, don't seek these things. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. There's something powerful about, about us when we, as a church, we start to align with heaven's priorities. When we start to say, God, okay, what do you want on the earth? What do you want, Jesus? Let me pray what you want. Let me put my stuff here. Put my stuff here. You know what I, you know what I need before I even ask. But let me just start to exercise my prayer for what you want to see. Mm. Something about that. Let me tell you something. If you start to make God come near, the church come alive and the lust to get saved, your priorities. I want you to know you're seeking first the kingdom of God. God wants to come near, people. God wants his church to come alive. He wants us to be clothed with power. He said, go wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power. In other words, I don't expect you to do this in your own strengths. I'm not this like slave master just whipping you and say, evangelize more, do better, do good works, come on, faster, harder, wake up earlier. I know, he's like... <laughs> He he criticized the Pharisees for doing that He says you lay up heavy burdens on people And you don't do nothing to help them He said come take my yoke It's easy My burden is light And he's talking about You know when we come into Symbiotic relationship with him When we come into the vine type relationship with him When we align with his priorities And the grace of heaven starts to flow in our life Man the stuff that God wants us to do Becomes easy the Christian life is impossible in your own strength. It's impossible to be holy in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit to help you be holy. Amen. Amen. In your own strength. How many of you? I do even know what I'm talking about. You fighting sin. You trying to get rid of sin. I want you to know you can pray for God to send His Holy Spirit. You can ask God, fill me with that wonder-working power, so that I can walk in victory. Uh, Jesus is not there saying, "Come on, get it right, get it right." Hey, why not? And he's all shy and I'm "Get it right. Why are you not doing this thing?" He's not doing that. He's like, "Wait until you're clothed with power." This Pai wants to give us wonder-working power. <laughs> uh, there's a song in my head now. <laughs> there is power. In the name. (laughs) There's something so powerful when we align with heaven's priorities. God come near. God come near. He wants to come near. The church come alive. He doesn't want his church struggling. You know what? You want to see a vision for Jesus' church? Go to Isaiah chapter 2 where he says, In the latter days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established at the highest of the mountains and people will flow to it from all nations saying, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord that we may hear His word and walk in His ways. The church is meant to have people to it. It's meant to be a powerhouse. It's meant to be a city set on a hill. It's meant to be the light to the nations. It's meant to be vibrant and alive and full of power, active, operative, energizing, effective in society transforming society going into dark places and seeing them transform that the church is meant to be alive I want you to know that is impossible to go out there and be the church if we come together and say come let's be the church hi, boy, we're barking up the wrong tree We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope I'm making you thirsty. When you come into this prayer room, I want you to pray like, I want you to be thirsty for the Holy Spirit. I want you to have a revelation inside of you that says, man, I cannot do this on my own. We cannot do this on our our own. We cannot see a city saved. We cannot you know, raise missions and plant churches and nations and go to our neighbors. We're bound in in addictions. We've got problems. We've got fear and stuff. We need the boldness of heaven. We need you to come. Near God, we And when the church humbles itself like that, when we realize that we do need God, when we start to humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways, guess what? He hears from heaven and heals our land. We're looking for the healing from heaven when we pray for revival. We're not looking for God just to anoint, you know, Mr. Bashir and he's going to go do it all. You know, we're, we're looking for the, the anointing from heaven upon us, the body of Jesus Christ. When we align with what heaven prioritizes, something happens to us, we begin to change. We begin to get transformed. You start to experience the life of God flowing through you in new ways. Why do we need revival right now? Church, listen, I don't even feel like I need to say this. (laughs) Why do we need revival right now? You know, there's a scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, which says, it talks about the sons of Issachar. How many of you know that scripture? What, happened, what, what, what was famous about these sons of Issachar? They understood the times and the seasons and they knew what Israel should do. Times and seasons. Time, they understood times. They understood seasons. You know, Jesus rebuked his listeners and he said to them, guys, you are experts at doing weather forecasts. We forecasted, we looked and we saw no rain today. So we've we, we, we we've got wind apps, we've got weather, we've got all these things to forecast weather. He said, you guys are experts at forecasting the weather. What's going to happen tomorrow? But you are absolutely without understanding and discerning what the spiritual season is and what God is doing right now in front of you. The Messiah has come. (laughs) And you're missing it. You're wrapped up in some other thing. You're not discerning the times and the seasons. There there were signs. There were pointers. There was John the Baptist in the wilderness. There was all these things happening and they they were not able to see what God was doing like the sons of Issachar, and align with what God was doing and therefore they weren't able to experience they were on the outside. Church, I want to say let's be smart. I want to appeal to you today. Look at what is going on in the world right now. Look at what is happening around us. Look at how this world has been gripped in a pandemic in the last year. For me, the writing is on the wall. God wants revival to come and He wants it to be a... There's going to be a global outpouring of His Spirit. Global outpouring of His Spirit. We've experienced the former rains over here in different places but there's a global outpouring of His Holy Spirit. Do you think it's a coincidence that at this moment people are, are needing oxygen? They are struggling with breath. There is no coincidence right now that the whole world's attention is on oxygen and breath. When there's attack in the natural, it's often a sign of what's going to happen in the spiritual. It's like Satan gets wind of what heaven's about to do and he starts to try and mess it up. He starts to stop it. He tries to get us out of the building. <laughs> you know, he's, and stop what we're doing because he knows revival's coming. And the church needs to wake up and say, people are struggling for breath, 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 oxygen, oxygen, breath, breath, breath. What does the Bible say about breath? Well, God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. The Spirit of God breathed on Ezekiel's army and it rose up and became a mighty army. Are we not that sleeping army right now? Is the church globally not the sleeping army waiting for the breath of heaven to be released, to come and fill us, that we might go out into the nations and do what God has called us to do? It's signs of what we need to be praying for. All this attention on breath must must make us wake up and cry out, Oh God, rend the heavens and breathe on us. Breathe on us. And it's not only a cry for literal breath, but there's also like a figurative, metaphorical cry for breath. A George Floyd, cry, I can't breathe cry in the nations today. It's a cry for justice. It's a cry for reconciliation, it's a cry for, for mercy, it's a, it's a cry for change in the way we do society, and we do, in the way we do community, in the way we do life. Is it a coincidence that in the cry for physical breath, there's also a cry for a change in justice, and a change in, in, in racial tensions? Is it Why that cry at the same time? Is it a coincidence? No. I want you to know that the first century era was one of the most racist eras in history. You had Jews over here, Samaritans over there, the Greeks over there, the Romans over there. You had the, you, it was a divided society. Nobody ate with each other. Everybody stuck to their own. But when that Holy Spirit came and filled that upper room, those staunch racist Jewish men who wouldn't even eat with a Samaritan were found a few years later Samaritans are their best buddies. (laughs) Eating with Romans. The first multicultural community that the earth has witnessed was the first century church. Never before have you seen races coming together in unity, in love, actually really caring about each other, actually really walking together in friendships, in deep life-giving relationships than you see in the church of Jesus Christ in the first century. Why? Well, because heaven is multicultural. Every tribe, every tongue standing before the throne. And when the Holy Spirit was released from heaven, He brought the culture of heaven with Him. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, guess what? You get filled with the culture of heaven. You become a multicultural person. You're able to transcend barriers. You're able to go and be all things to all men that you might win just son to Jesus Christ. Cry for change. A cry for unity happening. A cry for breath. Church, the writing is on the wall. I want you just to note this. Rewind the clock just 60 years ago. I want you just to imagine in your mind, we're sitting in America in 1968 right now. Ask the person next to you, what's the date? It's 1968. Tell them. 1968 We're all Americans Say what's up brother How you doing man What's up sister Come on get your American twang on Where's your American twang What's happening brother Come on now We're gonna preach Clara 1968 In America Vietnam War Is on Civil protests are in every city. There's economic crashes. There's a pandemic called the Hong Kong flu. There's the rise of communism and the Cold War is heating up possible nuclear threats. The youth in the 60s are turning away from traditional Christian beliefs to Eastern philosophies. Becoming this, this, this hippie movement was burst was and it was turning into radical sexual immorality. Radical drug addictions were gripping the next generation. Racion, racion. Racism was huge, massive, civil protests. This, the civil rights movement was in full swing. We have Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the scene preaching, I have a dream. And then he's assassinated, killed in cold blood. I want you to know these are dark times we're living in in 1968. Pandemic, war, racial tensions, drugs. So what do people do in dark times? They begin to pray. They start to realize, oh, okay, maybe we can't do this on our own. Oh, okay, maybe we do need God. Oh, okay, let's pray as a church. So people started to pray and guess what happened? God answered with revival. What was birthed was this thing called the Jesus Movement Revival. God came near, the church came alive, and almost two million people got saved. One small church, Calvary Chapel, led by Pastor Chuck Smith, decided to reach out to hippies. (laughs) This is what he said. It's in the I Connect. Tens of thousands who were without Christ, having no hope. Caught in a dilemma of a chaotic and polluted world. They lived in a chaotic and polluted world. Do we not live in the same time? And they had no way out. Many of whom sought to escape into drugs only to find themselves trapped have now found the love and beauty of the Christ-filled life. His testimony was that darkness did not prevail. But that God came through in tens of thousands. That one little church on the west coast of America planted 1,700 churches in the next decade. In the world. That's revival. That's revival. You know, all sorts of amazing things happen when the church comes alive. Counseling ministries are birthed. Healing ministries are birthed people start to feel called for nations. They're sitting down in church services and while the Holy Spirit is moving and God is preaching, they start dreaming about Pakistan or Cuba or Italy. Do I have any Italys? Any Italy calling? (laughs) And while they're in church, they start to catch a vision of a nation. Of a people And they become burdened for it And they begin to cry out for it And they begin to labor and pray for it And eventually they get trained And they get sent And they go to that nation And they win people for Jesus And establish the kingdom of God In those places That's what happens When the church comes alive And I'm not just talking about Missions and evangelism to nations I'm talking about connect groups Parenting courses Prayer meetings Feeding schemes New songs get written Books get published Movies get made When the church starts to rise up and come alive, it's, it's like righteousness just comes back to society. Salt and light starts to infiltrate society and justice comes into society when the church comes alive. Listen, I could, I could share with you this morning so many things about revival. I've got so many stories I want to share. I'll save some for next week. But I want to, I want to just do something this morning. Can I ask, Sandeep, would you just mind passing these out one to each person, one to each person? Right, six more. One to each person. One to each person, just pass back. Go for it. Just pass back. Just take a card. take a card. Take a card. Why? I've got more. (laughs) You have to come to me. I want you to look at your card. You've got a beautiful person's face over there. Isn't that a beautiful person? I want you to know that these cards were put together by thejoshuaproject.net an incredible website I'd like you to go and and visit and and check it out in your own time. Why do we need revival? (laughs) The writing is on the wall. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus said to His disciples go into all the world and make come on shout it out make what? Disciples of all nations baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Two thousand years that Jesus has given us that command. According to the Joshua Project, there are more than three billion people on the earth living, breathing, walking around right now, doing life, business, and everything else, who do not know Jesus. And not that they do not only, don't know him, they've got no access to him. They're what they classify as unreached. There's no church down the street. There's no missionary living in their community. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing for them. And what they've done is they've put all these people groups onto these cards. And I want you to look at your statistics over there. I've got the Santel in India. This is a, this is an ethnic group in India. A population of 7.6 million people. their status is unknown. 0.0.0 percent are Christian. That's seven million people. How many people you got? Sixty. Six million. How many of you got? Nineteen. How many you got? Thirteen. 33 million. How many percent are Christian? 2%. 2% out of 33 million. Just one people. We could go around and share how many millions of people we're talking about. Alive right now. No access. <laughs> I don't know about you, but this breaks me. You know, sometimes we, we, we like, we up going to church, our, our grannies prayed for us, there were one or two Bibles at home, parents took us to use. we went to university, there was a church there, we went to work and there was a prayer meeting there, there's churches all over us, so sometimes we just think, ah, we've done it, sometimes we think we're okay, sometimes we forget that there are places in the world with nothing like that nothing like that more than 3 billion people I want to ask you a question 2,000 years since Jesus said go and make disciples of all these nations we're living in we're, we're here in 2021 right now and there's 3 billion more that still need to be reached do you think God is going to let all these people slip into eternity without knowing him no. the church has never been more equipped with teaching with leadership with resources we can fly on airplanes now we can we can take medicine we can we can go to the ends of the earth we, there's there's nothing to stop us going with bible's in every language almost In fact, I I sat next to a guy who told me he was part of the Bible Translation Project. He says, in the next decade, every language on earth will have a Bible. We're 10 years away from translating the Bible in every language. 10 years away. That's significant. That is significant. We need God to come near. We need the church to come alive and we need the lost to get saved we need a massive move of God not just here in Durban but in Singapore we need it in Sydney we need it in New York we need it in Rio de Janeiro we need it in London we need it in Denmark we need a global move of God and I want you to know that we're I believe we're sitting on that right now. I believe there is a move of God. I believe revival is coming. I believe that God wants to pour out His Spirit. I believe this sleeping giant of the church is going to come alive. And I believe we are going to see the greatest harvest of souls in the next decade that we've ever seen ever before in history because revival came. And I think the right thing for us to do Is to have one mind, one voice, one heart. And get in that prayer room. And pray for God to come near. For the church to come alive. And for the lost to get saved. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Thank you for being such a an amazing audience this morning. Congregation sitting it out in the sun, especially you guys looking into the sun over there. Thank you. It's quite cool doing church like this, eh? Can we pray? Can we pray? Father in heaven, Father in heaven, we look to you right now. Father in heaven, we come before you right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we humble ourselves and we say, Lord, come near. Come near. Come empower us. Come and help us to pray. You said the Holy Spirit would enable us to pray. We won't even know how to pray or offer our prayers worthily. But the Holy Spirit comes on our behalf with utterings too deep to mention. And enables us to pray in accordance with your will. I'm asking that, Lord, you would pour out a grace on us as every nation, urban, like we've never prayed before. To pray with consistency. To pray continually. A heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man available. Come and do that to us as a church today. Come and enable us. Come and empower us. We want to be a bride that is clothed with power. We want to be clothed with power from heaven, Lord say send your spirit. Send your spirit. Rend the heavens. Come down and fill us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for this beautiful city, Lord. Come on, let's bless Durban. Let's, let's bless the city. Say, so Durban, we bless you in the name of Jesus. All you homes, all you families, all you lives, we bless you, we bless you in the name to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 72 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes an offering, please visit our website www.iendurban.org to get our bank details and Zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.